Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Habits of Leadership podcast. Dan Hasler and Tim Perkins with you here, and today what we'd like to do is share with you a conversation that Tim had last year in Melbourne when he was attending the Education Changemakers Conference. Tim. Thanks, Dan. Yes, this uh, I had the great opportunity in Melbourne last year of meeting with Lindsay McIntyre, who is the headmaster at the Jeremiah E. Burke School in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a chronically underperforming school, or previously was a chronically underperforming school, which she has had a very significant role in turning around into a much higher performing school with very engaged students, which was not the case previously. It's a fascinating opportunity to speak with Lindsay. She's very much in the realm of emotional intelligence and leading through emotional intelligence. And the conversation that we have, which you're about to hear, really speaks to some of the issues that we know that a lot of our people that we work with are grappling with in their own contexts. Um, Lindsay has an approach that is radical in many ways and has had really wonderful results. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed the opportunity of speaking with Linda myself. Well, thanks, Tim. It's yeah. a great honor to be here. I'm yeah. really excited to A, be in Australia, and B, mostly important that I'm in Australia with educators. Yeah, fantastic. Love it. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the context of Jeremiah E. Burke and the sort of what you see on a day-to-day basis yeah. and, and what your role is there? Yeah, so the Burke High School is um, a school that is situated in an area of Boston that has a high degree of poverty, so very low socioeconomic status, um, a large amount of violence in the surrounding neighborhoods, and um, many of the students, at least 85% of them, have undergone some personal traumas uh, or multiple traumas in their life space. And so understanding what they come to school with and how it impacts their learning has been key to a lot of the work, Tim, that we're doing at the Burke High School. So I would imagine, based on that, that relationships are a key thing, the idea of these students getting some sort of a sense of belonging, uh, which perhaps they don't feel that the schoolhouse is the place of greatest belonging for them. Is that right? Uh, Absolutely. I think having a sense of belonging is one of the key ingredients to setting the stage for learning. Right? And so what's very important to us at the Burke High School is relationships and community. And you know, a lot of people think that, especially for schools that are in trouble, that are struggling, that okay, let's pound instruction, let's look at instruction, let's inquire about instruction. But I would argue that more important than pounding instruction is building a community where if people feel safe enough to come in, relax, engage trust and take some risk. So that all makes good sense to us as educators. Um, However, I imagine it's much easier said than done. These students that you're talking about from impoverished backgrounds, predominantly black, uh, Afro-American kids, Hispanic kids presumably Mm -hmm. as well. Um, 
it's hard to win the trust of kids who are experiencing a very difficult life outside of school. So I imagine that takes some real skill and nuance. How, how, do you, how do you and your teachers go about actually making these kids feel like they're part of the community? Yeah, so I think what's hard is not knowing the traditions, the values, the lived experiences of the students. That's what's difficult, that you don't know. What helps you to engage is your learning about their traditions, about their, their values, about the way in which they engage their life. And you bring in some value to that. Not superimposing your biases, but understanding explicitly who they are as individuals in the learning process. Wow, and I know uh, from what I've heard you talk about today, one of the ways that you go about that is something that's slightly unusual for us in that you visit these kids at home and Absolutely. you have a particular program over the summer to sort of enculturate them into the school environment. Can you tell us what sort of age they come to you at and how that looks when you go to visit them and, and what that summer sort of yeah. engagement looks like? Absolutely. So, Tim, when they come to us from middle school, they're anywhere between the ages of 14 and 15. And um, so what we do is go visit their homes in the summer. We catch them when they're not in school and we bring school to them. And they look at us like, Ma, this lady says she's the principal, <laughs> you know, she's at our door. And the mothers and fathers are usually really, you know, inquisitive about, huh? They don't really want to open the door, but you greet them as if they're your sister, your brother, your neighbor with the spirit of love and then they open their hearts and they open their doors to you. So that's the first thing we do. And ask them, you know, tell us about your child. What do you want us to, you know, what, what do you expect from us for your child? How can we love him and engage him in a way that makes sense to you? And so they, they get really warm and fuzzy about that. And then secondly, we bring them into school during the summer so that this idea of high school is not a mystery. And this opportunity to engage in a relationship with my teacher, it's, it's low stakes. It's in the summer, so I get to know my teacher as a person, right? We get to discover like fun things together as well as enriching academic things as well. So it's a great time. It's, it's an incredible uh, approach that you've taken and I presume it's one that sort of paid dividends for you as well. Tell me, can I ask on a personal level, Linzer, um, is their background something that you're familiar with and does that give you credibility with the families as far as being able to identify with their struggles? So, you know, I am African-American, much like them, but um, I don't know if they would say that my background is like theirs, mm. but I would tell you that it is. I mean, I see myself in the students that I serve, right? But I see my children in the children and the students that I serve, right? I believe that therefore the grace of God is mine. Mm. And so I enter into my work no doubtedly believing that we are part of the same ecosystem and that it is my job as an adult, as a leader, as a teacher, and just as a mentor in the community to engage their hearts and their minds in a way that would produce for them great life outcomes. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us 
within that context of trying to engage their hearts and their minds, this is, this is difficult work. This yes, is difficult is. work. These kids are coming from complex situations. They come into you, presumably there's drugs involved in their life outside of school, various forms of neglect and abuse in their world outside of school, yes. violence, gun issues perhaps that we don't experience in Australia. But um, drawing those kids in and looking after and loving those kids, as you say, and helping them develop a self-belief in themselves as learners, that's not easy work. How do you and your teachers go about that within the classroom environment? So first we understand that we have to have the disposition, right? So it's not about how many license we have or how many courses we've taken or how many books that we've read, but how we feel about the work that is in front of us, the work that we have to do. How do we feel about being a humanitarian, right? About being in a position to engage or inform somebody else's life space. Um, Lisa Delpit writes about, I won't learn from you if I believe you don't like me. And so we read that literature. And we know that we have to promote an expression that's true of love and engagement, radical love, I like to call it, for our students. And when we do that, they become submissive to this idea of learning in the traditional sense, right? Yet we spin that so it's not so traditional and teacher-centered, because it's not about me, it's not about the teacher, not when I'm in the classroom, but that it's student-centered. And we think critically about how we elevate their voices, how we teach them efficacy, how we teach them advocacy, how we teach them these non-content, um, opportunities to support their own learning. Yeah, wow. So your school and your teachers yourself sound like you're a living embodiment of this idea of kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. There you go. And, couldn't uh, said it better. Yeah, yes, and, well, couldn't have said as, it better. As you've said something similar there as well. Um, you, you used the word radical in there. You talked about the idea of radical love. Yes. You're a bit of a radical. You're a bit of a maverick in your field. Yes. You've broken a lot of rules. Yeah. Uh, in order, and when we love hearing about school principals who break rules, um, you've done it your way because you've realised that the traditional way isn't the best way to reach the kids that, that you're working with. What advice, what thoughts would you have for young people who feel the need to be a bit more radical in what they're doing, but perhaps lack the confidence and courage to be radical, particularly in the early years of their career? Uh, as far as them being able to make this a sustainable job where they feel that they're actually doing authentic work that really matters. Right. I think there's two things that I would leave them with. And I think the first thing I would leave them with is teaching and leading is not a march, it's a dance. And so as they enter into their work, they should understand that there's no steady beat, steady beat, steady beat but that there's genres that are just so amazing that you can engage them in multiple ways and you can be as diverse in your opportunities to differentiate from one child to another in your 
teaching and learning activities. Yeah. And so I would, I would say that. And then the other thing I would say to them, particularly young teachers that come into the work and they're so cognitively engaged in you know, the experiences they had at university and all of the literature that they've read and the papers that they wrote, that it's truly very cognitive that they somehow leave out their socio-emotional understandings that need to be coupled with their more cognitive ones in order for them to completely engage the teaching and learning process. Yeah, well, it's very interesting to hear there from you, Linza, that idea of radical love. This is a good one for you guys who are watching this, this idea of being confident and making sure that everything you do is led by the cognitive understandings you have However, the real strength, the real importance, the real guts of what you're doing needs to come from your heart. Um, and to really have that Absolutely. courage to, to show that radical love towards the students and, yes. and that radical dance that you're talking about yes. doing rather than yes. Yes. Well, That's been a total delight talking to you. Thank, you, thank so you so much, Tim. So no, I'm so excited All that right. we had this chance to chat. All right, thank you so much. All right. Well, what a pleasure that was to meet and chat with Linza, a truly inspirational educator. Um, the thing that really struck me most about my conversation with Linza was this concept of radical love that she emphasised and the need to really get to know the people that you're working with, whether they're staff members, whether they're your students, and really empathise with them in a way that's deeply rooted in emotional intelligence. Yeah, you're right, Tim, and I thought as you said, a, a really um, quite an inspiring uh, conversation there. And, and this idea of emotional intelligence, obviously it's uh, an area we do a lot of work in through our Habits of Leadership program and through our day-to-day -day coaching work. But it's work that we're seeing becoming more and more prevalent in all the areas that we uh, spend our time, not just in schools, but also in the corporate world and in the sporting world. This not just desire, but almost necessity to really try to understand the people we're working on on a much deeper level than perhaps we currently do. And there's often hesitation to that. There's reservations. We don't have time to do it. It'd be nice if we could. But increasingly what we're seeing is that you know more and more people are, and organisations are recognising that it's actually integral um, part of, of how they're going to develop. So to actually hear Linza talk in a way which, um, it, you know, it's, it's on the ground, it's actually, it's not just theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's actually happening. And it's then backed up with the, the fact that her school, you know, came out of the special measures that the department um, had placed on them. I think is really testament to the fact that so much of what we do when we're working with people, you know, it is about the space between each of us rather than the policies and the, the, the you know, the procedures and, and all the other stuff. And, you know, obviously this is the kind of uh, work that we cover in our Habits of Leadership uh, program. If you want to hear more about that and find out more about the work we do, head over to habitsofleadership.com. And if you click on the podcast page, you can actually um, submit a question, uh, comment, insight for upcoming um, episodes. If you know someone that we should interview, perhaps, uh, then feel free to uh, reach out to us through the, the website there and, and, and let us know who we should be um, speaking to and who you'd like to hear from on this uh, podcast. If you found it useful, uh, um, we'd really appreciate it if you could like the podcast, share it, leave a comment on iTunes or uh, 
Podbean or wherever you get your podcast. Course, subscribe. It's great to always get a little notification that we've got another uh, subscriber joining the tribe. But until next time, take care. Take it easy. <laughs>